free flying on a Sunday. My ticket is a one way. I'm about to play in the sky. I always knew you make it one day. Today was such a fun day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Wazi Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. This show today is dedicated to George Herbert Walker Bush. Born June 12th, 1924, he passed on November 30th, 2018. Mission complete, sir. My guest today, Doug Jacques. How many years you got in the sport, son? 36 years of skydiving. Dude's lived in Iraq, Thailand, India, Cali. That's that's a weird list to like. Low, like <laughs> you were like Cali with like Thailand and Accidental. shit. Accidental. It's all good. A Tai Chi master. He's oh, wind no, no. chimes. He used to counsel pregnant women. It's old skydivers. <laughs> some old. It's an old video. The skydivers understand. No, but no shit. Seventy-year-old tandem master still flicking drogues at Skydive Lone Star, son. You can see him swooping it in. No joke. You're fucking hero, baby. I'm trying to tell you who you want to be. You say you want to skydive forever. I'm I'm serious, son, because this is something I want to do. And when I see you do this, and I see you still rocking, and you're turning loads on the fucking King Air, Dougie, twelve thousand skydives. First jump was in Covington, Louisiana, in 1984. Static line. This dude, Doug Jacques. Howdy. Howdy. What up, son? <laughs> Good to be with you, Waz. Man, thank you for coming out, Doug. I you know bet, your schedule, you schedule's busy. Uh, today was our day off anyway. Good for you, man. How's it going? Good. Very good. Very good. Right on. Tandem Master at 70. Knock on four mica. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do it, man? Doing good. Doing good. They're uh, like um, 36 years. Yeah, yeah, eighty-four. Yeah, how many? Well, br- actually, that's that's uh, thirty-four years, right? Is it? I don't know, man. I'll give you two years, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. I love you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. Right on. So, um, what made you go take that first skydive? Ah, uh, something I'd always wanted to do, uh, and I just was too scared to do it until then, I guess. Right. And then I, uh, I, yeah. Uh, I was working out there in in uh, in uh, Louisiana as a pipe fitter, and uh, what, what is a pipe fitter? That's kind of like a heavy industrial plumber. Uh, okay, I was, uh, I'd uh, work off of prints and I'd, I'd build spool pieces. That's fabricated pipe, and then would hang it and in, in, uh, prep it for the welder. Okay, and, uh, so the oil? Uh, yeah, but you can. I worked on paper mills and, and refineries, uh, mostly refineries, I guess. So industrial means large scale. Yeah, yeah, power plants. Wow. That sort of thing. All right, so that's what you were doing when you found it. Yeah, yeah. How old were you? 36. 36. Yeah. Had you ever left, uh, you were in Louisiana at the time? Yeah, I was uh, I was out there working, and, and uh, uh, yeah, the last uh, uh, of my drinking dates was in, I left Louisiana broad daylight uh, with a, Half full bottle of whiskey on my bedside table. I uh, went on the wagon for a couple of weeks, and I went out and made the jump, and then uh, came back to Texas, sobered up, and started jumping. That was it? Went through the train, yeah. So that first, how did it affect you? What was it? What was it? 
it was uh, sort of like an out-of-body experience. I was kind of amused at what I was watching, which is a scary guy trying to climb out of a strut. <laughs> right, okay. But it was, it was like surreal, you know, and, uh, but it was uh, really exciting. And uh, they dropped, dropped me out in the cloud, and, and uh, of course, I didn't know that any better. You know, I mean, that's, that's I was just a student, you know. And right. Laying in high winds, and laying on my heels in my head. We've been practicing PLFs all day, but <laughs> I didn't have a chance to show my, my stuff. heels in my head. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I was hooked. You know, I knew I was hooked, and uh, when I got back to Texas and started working uh, and quit drinking, then I uh, I had to, to, I could afford to pursue it. And, uh, oh, because you dropped the dropped the liquor. Yeah, yeah. Man, I can get rich. <laughs> <laughs> All I gotta do. Uh, hey, um, direct bag static line. Yeah, you got a a, a a the static line is attached to the plane and to your your rig, and you jump out and it opens it up for you. Um, have you seen the movie Fandango? Sure, have. of course you have. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, man, you got to watch Fandango. Uh, there's the 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 greatest first jump course in the history of mankind is on that movie. <laughs> and um, how much different was your first jump course from that? Like, what was it? Were you at a military base with these old military guys, or these just some skydiving guys back no, in? No, just uh, just a small uh, sport uh, skydiving place. Uh, Marine McGuire was my uh, first jump instructor. All right. Remember that name after all these years, and uh, just basically, uh, uh, I don't remember that much of the classroom. I remember doing PLFs, uh, a bunch of them, yeah, like about an hour's <laughs> worth or more. Right and, uh, that's kind of like the rite of passage, I guess. You just, you know, get bruised up and then you go up and, and do it. And they were they were squares. You were flying what? No, it was a uh, it was an old. Uh, I think it was a jumbo PC, maybe. Or it oh, geez, a, it was still round. It might have been a TNT. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, it's Spaceland, the old Spaceland. Right. Spaceland uh, where? Where's that at? The Houston Gulf Airport. In Houston City. Gulf, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a private airport, and uh, we had a drop zone there, and, and uh, they, we had a twin otter. We used a, a Cessna during the week when uh, you know when it's slow, and on the weekends we uh, we had enough people to support the otter. Was it a, was it a Steve Boyd's place? No, no, no. Okay, this is a different Spaceland. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. This is like, uh, well, it's... I think they closed in, in like 92, in the early 90s. Okay. And uh, I met Steve Boyd up in Pepperell, Massachusetts, in uh, I think either 80, I'm me, 97 or 98. And uh, our otter went down, and he brought his queener up there and kind of rescued us for the season. Nice. Hero, and, Mr. Boyd. Mr. He, Boyd, thank you, Mr. Boyd. And he was talking to us, talking to me about uh, looking for some property down around the Houston area, uh, going to open a drop zone. And I didn't know him, you know, and I thought, well, it sounds good, you know, but, you know, he may be serious or maybe just talking. Like any know. other Yahoo. I didn't know him, right. you know. And then the next thing I know, what, a year or two later, you know, I hear that they're they're opening Skydive Spaceland. Oh, that's uh, awesome. North Sharon, so. so when you were at the original Spaceland, you said Otter on the weekends. Yeah. Were you still jumping rounds? Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the experienced <laughs> yeah. jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> that is fucking funny. I'll I ain't jumping how, no fucking around. I'll show you how things no, changed. Uh, they uh, they had squares. All the experienced jumpers were uh, uh, using squares, but uh, they thought it was too dangerous for a student. Of uh, a, a square. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the rounds are predictable. If the WDI, which is a piece of toilet paper with a fucking tape on it. Yeah. If that says it's gonna hit the drop zone, we're dropping right <laughs> here. <laughs> Even that, that's uh, yeah, theoretically. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Leonard oh, Tree yeah, was. Never, never fucking. Would. Have you hit a tree? Well, it's it's late. In, it was late in the afternoon. It was kind of dark, and well, not dark then. When I got out of the trees, it was dark. But, <laughs> yeah, 
It was just off just a little bit. Right on, right More on. like tall shrubs that, you know. So when you say you were supporting the otter, what were you guys doing? Like, like there's 20 jumpers doing what? In the 80s? In the 80s, R.W. R.W. The 80s rock. Yeah. yeah, you guys were kicking ass back uh, in the, the 80s. Old, the old zoo uh, back then, uh, Terry Pike's uh, uh, form that I think. Uh, it was like a, uh, it's just a kind of a club-like thing. You know, you you uh, get to a membership and, and it's kind of a, yeah, local skydivers. And, and, uh, but there was a, oh, there was a, a, a lot of us out there. Right on. Yeah. What do you mean club? Like there's a, like you guys were like, a club? Well, not a club. It's just a, a, a organization of skydivers. You know, it's kind of like a. Is this pre USPA or is this? Oh no no no! This is just a fun group. It's oh a, okay. Yeah yeah. Just oh a, like a messenger group nowadays would be like it'd be like a group of people. These like the mid morning shredders in yeah, Austin. Like the uh, the sky trash or, or uh, right 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 the couch freaks something like couch that. freaks. Yeah. You have been to the yeah. couch freak boogie? I've been up there, but I haven't been up to a, a the boogie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get to go. Do they still do the couch freaks? I don't know. I don't know. So people that don't know the Couch Freaks, man, uh, the rumors I hear, because I never get to go, it sounded to me like a Burning Man skydive event, right? People would build their own awesomeness for you to hang out in, a bunch of couches, and they burn them all at the end of the event? I haven't been there. Oh, <laughs> Did you ever go to the old World Freefall Conventions at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your first one? I was one? at the first one. You were at the first World, world Freefall Convention? Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, Holy shit. Yo... Cats don't even know what that is these days, right? Because there isn't one. There's yeah, like your yeah. local boogie you go to, and that's all there is. But back in the day, um, you mean the one in Oklahoma? Hmm. Um, you get me thinking now. Yeah, because I, it wasn't guess, yeah, it I wasn't guess, in Illinois yet. Yeah, yeah. The originals were in Oklahoma. I, I remember it was, uh, I think, in, in 85, they uh, auctioned off a Northern Light container, and I it was a high bidder on it. Uh, they, it wasn't a bad container. A Northern I, Light? Northern Light, yeah. Northern Light containers, baby. <laughs> Had it for a few years. I, I used to hook them Northern Lights. Hey, um, so was it in Oklahoma? Uh, I think so. I um, uh, I was at the uh, a couple of boogies up there, and I think that was the first. I thought the first freefall convention was in Chicago. Man, it might have been. Not, it might have right. been. I know they used to do something in Oklahoma back. Yeah, in the they day. did. They did. Because um, we would try to set records at the DZ. You can't set these fucking records. There's 60 ways because they used to have the DC threes, right? And you have enough of them together, you can though. Yeah, no enough. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, <laughs> who has 10 182s laying around? Yeah, you know. All right, so dang, this guy having a long time. How do you feel about the gear these days? Uh, it's great. It's great. I when I first started doing tandems, we're pioneering the limits of the gear, and okay. uh, we really didn't know. Uh, how many jumps you could put on the main, uh, when you need to, well, you can tell pretty much when you need to reline them. But the old F-111s, uh, it just uh, all of a sudden just lines would break and the fabric would tear. And, and, uh, you know, and that was it? Yeah, you're up there. Shh, shh. Shit, it's still like that at DZs today, son. That's how you know it's done. You look up and the <laughs> shit's exploded. <laughs> uh, tandems are safe, people. It's, it's not like that. No, no, not, not anymore. <laughs> not, not anymore. anymore. Yeah. It's just clean now. Yeah, man. That's dope. So you're in, so you did one jump in Louisiana. Yeah. You end up in Houston at the old drop zone. Yeah. And you do how many jumps in your first year, you think? Because, uh, man, I did 50 jumps my first year, and I struggled to get those. Right at 350. 350 jumps. Yeah. See, man, Dakota Meyer made, like, 
50 jumps last week. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like crazy. That's right. That's right. Dude, it took me a year to do that. <laughs> God damn it. God was, damn it. I was working shutdowns in the Houston area, and I'd, I'd worked like, uh, you know, seven days, seven twelves for like a month, maybe a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have off for as long as I could afford to be off, and I'd camp out the drop zone and make every load. And this is the old one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when did the new one come about? Oh, uh, gosh, I think uh, it late, maybe early, late, late, late 90s, uh, I think. Who owned the, the first space land, that you, the one you're talking about? Oh, gosh, Dave Boltman was uh, uh, part of the plane. I think they were leasing the property there. Remember, uh, Mike Smith was a manager when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, Linda Smith, uh, his ex uh, was uh, was working there. Uh, Dave Boltman was, uh, he, I think he died a few years few years later. But uh, he was sort of the uh, respect Dave. What's that? I was, I was saying respect to Dave Boltman. Oh yeah, 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 he was a great guy. Awesome. Um, yeah, there was uh, Christy Hitchens and and uh, Rick Ford and 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 Curly uh, Curly Rowe and Curly Rowe. I've heard of that name. Yeah, he was an old black hat in the army and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he never jumped with goggles. Uh, he no sh- shit. He squint a lot, but he never yeah. jumped with goggles. I hate jumping without goggles. <laughs> I had some sunglasses blow off on the load the other day. Oh. I was so upset. Yeah, you forget your students' uh, goggles and you let them use yours. Oh, so that's, yep, it happens. Yeah. It happens, man. Yeah. So, so 350 jumps your first year. Yeah, my Rounds. No, 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 no. That was just for the student training. Okay, so yeah. after that you got them. What was yeah. your first canopy? Uh it was a, uh, oh gosh, I forget. It, uh, your first love, son. You can't forget yeah. your first love. Right. Well, it was a love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I had a Sabre 170. Yeah. Sabre 170. Rainbow used to smack the shit out of me, son. Yeah. Yo, we would, <laughs> that parachute would open so hard that I would roll one side of the nose and put a clip on it. And then roll the other side and put a clip on it and then stuff it all the way in, pull the slider all the way out and still pray every deployment. Like, good God, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I a, love them parachutes, man. A Raider 220 was the first one I, I a, bought. A uh, Raider. New, yeah. A Raider 220. Yeah. It was 220. Yeah, it was a 220. Uh, was it performance designs or? Was or, it PD? No, 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 P- it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. Uh, okay. I, I can't remember. PD was, Raider, though, was a PD, though. Was yeah. it F one eleven or uh, ZP? It was F one eleven. F one eleven. Yeah, I don't think we had we didn't have ZP then. When okay, we first started. So, um, did you have a what kind of reserve? Did you have a belly reserve and shit? It was a strong lopo. A strong lopo. It was around. Yeah. Okay, it was when you're back though. It was a new system. Yeah, yeah. It was by then. Out. Bill Booth was kicking ass by then. Yeah. Right. So he had his, he had some gear. Is that what you were jumping? Uh, it was a. Uh, no, this was a. Uh, what was your container? Racer. It was a racer. You had a racer? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Wendy at Skydive Temple. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, to, thanks to Curly, I had R3s on it, too. All right, what's an R3? It's uh, the pre- uh, what pre- predated the uh, three rings. Okay, it's so. It's like a cape well, only it's kind of a modified cape well. We got a little, little tab and a little nylon uh, a strap, and you pull it, and it, it unbuckles a, a little locking device. Okay, because before they had to rip them open. Yeah, you just you do this. Tink. While you're looking at your reserve rip card, pull down and grab your reserve rip card. Yeah. That's nuts. Oh, so this is they work. They work. But this is beautiful now. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, remember the FXCs? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my boss told me he goes, "You ain't got to turn it on, 
but you got to jump with it. I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, man. It's a glass tube, dude. What am I doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? We used to put those on the mains when I was out in California uh, because they, they, uh, you know, they weren't reliable. They're 1,500, mi- 1500 feet plus or minus. Right. And that's okay with the main, but but with the reserve, no. You don't want right. it firing 1,500 feet high. And, and, uh, and What do you mean you put it on the main? Oh, because you guys were still jumping spring-loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for new jumpers, real quick, pilot shoes used to have giant springs in them. <laughs> when you see old cartoons and they pull that string, that shit's real. Don't laugh. That shit's <laughs> real, man. They used to pull a fucking ripcord that would, just like your reserve parachute launches off your back with a spring, you'd have the same fucking system on your main, right? And a lot of AFF, when I was doing it, had those. And like, if you toss the ripcord, it cost you 10 bucks. Uh, the pilot shoe would bounce on your head before it inflated your parachute <laughs> it was a nutty situation yeah yeah it helped be stable well it does now too but you know, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> what the the spring helps to be stable oh the, your, your body position oh yeah yeah point. it helps to be stable yeah yeah if your head low and it's all yeah that's what gets you so man how'd you get into tai chi uh that's a good one i had uh one of my foremen i, I used to uh a pipe he was actually a pipe general foreman and um, he was uh, had been practic- he was actually teaching kung fu, but he also had tai chi at his school. And uh, how old were you at this time? Thirty six. Thir- so this is skydiving. Yeah, maybe thirty seven. What what changed your life at thirty five? What made you step out? Like why? Because I didn't start skydiving until I was twenty nine, right? And I was I I explained it that I was just paying bills and drinking beer until I found my passion in life, like my yeah. my slot. Right, and um, I just went because on a whim, right? But that's, it changed me. Like, what, what was your catalyst? Because it sounds like you were reaching out. For, I wasn't looking for anything. When I quit anything. drinking was. Uh, okay, that's what it was. That, it was that, and, uh, and I started working uh, 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 as a pipe fitter. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I had been, but I mean, I, I was more more reliable at that point. Right, right, right. I, I wanted to drink. But uh, it just uh, it went back to work, and it was like uh, just a, an ordinary, dull life, you know, and I wanted something to kind of. Yes, a little inject a little excitement into it, and I you guess, went on a journey. You were searching. Yeah. What else did you try before you found skydiving? Because you you found Tai Chi. Uh, well, that was after skydiving. I, I didn't oh, start okay. Tai Chi till nineteen ninety. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so while you were searching, did you go dirt bike racing, NASCAR driving, hunting? No, I'd had motorcycles when I was a kid, but I didn't. I didn't race. I just uh, right. But no, I just uh, kind of a dull boy. I didn't didn't do a whole lot. Okay, yeah. and um, how did you find Chattanooga? Oh, not Chattanooga. Where were you at? Uh, Cummington, Louisiana. How did you find the drop zone? Well, when I was in Louisiana, uh, that was, uh, I guess I looked in the Yellow Pages. So you uh, wanted to go skydiving. It wasn't like you just saw a sign of like, I'll do that. No, I you were like, I I'm to. going yeah. to jump. Yeah. And you said you've always wanted to do it. So when you were young, what inspired when you? When I was a little kid, there my, you go. Uh, my, my, uh, my first cousin, John Earl Jack, was he? Uh, he was uh, actually flew B fifty twos in the Air Force, but uh, when he was training, uh, when he first joined, he was about ten years older than me. And uh, I remember I was at my granddad's house. I'm just a little old kid, you know, and right, eight nine years old, maybe younger. I'd, I'd say maybe like seven or five or okay. something. But anyway, he was uh, jumping off my granddad's couch and rolling on the floor. A full-grown teenager, like no, 18, no, he 19. was practicing PLFs. Yeah, but eighteen years old, jumping off the couch. You're like, well, what he the was hell? he was older than that, I guess, because he he was uh, 
get training in. He's in the Air Force at that point. Okay. So he's a little bit older than that. 1920, he's still a teenager jumping off the couch doing PLS. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that kind of fascinated me that, uh, you know, the, the fact that, that that's something he's practicing to do after he jumps out of an airplane. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, uh, that kind of fascinated me and I guess planted the seed. Okay. Did you ever see him skydive? Did you, when was your first skydive? No, he saw? never did. He's uh, he ended up uh, flying for Braniff, and then uh, toward the end of his career, he was uh, uh, he was flying. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the airline, but uh, I think it was overseas. He was training uh, pilots, and and uh, he would fly dignitaries, including Dalai okay. Lama once, and wow, President of China, I think. Right on. But he was ready to get out that plane if he had to. <laughs> I have to know how to in the Air Force anyway. You know, that's, right. Right on. And then so one day you were like, I'm doing it. Yeah, I didn't really. It just kind of incubated in my head for a long time. And uh, it took some time to, uh, I remember I talked a friend of mine into jumping, and, and that was like maybe four years before I did. And I, I got uh, I got a job, and, and I had to leave town. I was in Austin at the time. And he went ahead and went out there and jumped, but I, I wasn't there. So. Oh, <laughs> And he, right. never, he said he'd never do it again. It scared the hell out of me. And you still went. Yeah, well, you this is a few sh- years later that I Yeah, but you missed your shot kind of like, oh, I should have went that yeah, day. So, yeah, you had to do it. You had to do it. <laughs> and you were hooked. Once and, I did, yeah. 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 So, um, back in the day, there wasn't a time limit on your AFF instructor rating. No, there's no time in the sport requirement. Right. So, you yeah. got your how many jumps to get it? Well, I got you could get your D license after 200. <laughs> but you had to have four hours of free fall time. Okay. Uh, instead of six, as it is now. Okay. So all I had to do was uh, I made the 350, and I never, I never uh, in a year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't consider uh, doing it uh, uh, or becoming an instructor. It just kind of happened. As I was eligible to get a rating, I get the rating. Right, right, right. Because uh, they need you at the drop zone for well, staff, right? I don't know if they needed me, but you know, I, I just wanted to, to uh, didn't want to uh, pass anything. I just, I wanted to make sure I, I was, you know, got what I could, and and. Uh, just in case, you know, right. later on. I'd, at any rate, I, uh, I got 350 jumps. I got my D license. And I remember that, <laughs> that uh, there was a, the first, I think the, the, there was a, a the, in West Virginia, that bridge, bridge day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was working a shutdown. Base. I, I wasn't sure what day I'd get laid off. I knew it was probably within a week or so. So when you say shut down, a factory shuts down and you guys do the maintenance on all yeah, the pipes. Yeah, yeah. You the the benefit the, the good thing for us is that you go in there, they they're out they're when they're they're losing production when they're not running. So right. they try to get it back online as quick as possible. Right. So get so in and get out. work eighty four hours a week, some days a week, twelve hours a day, and right. get it back online. Right. So you're making a lot of overtime and in that one month, six week period, you're you're uh, you're flush. Right. And then I'd I'd uh, I'd go back I'd go out, like I said, camp out the drop zone, make a reload. And I could, fortunately, back then I was in a shutdown click, and I needed to get back to work and just make a phone call. And usually within a couple of weeks, I'd have another job. Awesome. So it worked really good, especially for my scouting career. Yeah, right, right, right. So you're out there, and you said, what about the bridge? You Well, I had a choice. If if I got laid off on Friday, I was going to go bridge day because I, they had a little packing seminar. They had a little training seminar the night before. You got base jumps, Dougie? Uh, Thirteen. Yeah, fuck yeah, thirteen. <laughs> God damn it, that's badass. Okay, go ahead. But at any rate, I I uh, I knew there's an AFF uh, a certification course on Saturday, but I uh, and I thought if I got laid off Thursday or Friday, then I'll go to Bridge Day. I got laid off Friday evening, and I thought, well, I won't get time there in time for the you know the little you know the, the preamble stuff, and 
and I asked Curly if, uh, if he thought I should go for the AFF course. And, and he said, yeah, sure, go for it. There was 22 of us in there. Oh, 21, 21. 21 AFF yeah, candidates? Yeah, yeah. How many made it? I think uh, maybe a little more than half. And what year was this? And some guys had to drop out, though. But Right. What year was that, you think? Uh, 85. So it was still rough, rough, rough back then, right? Wasn't it like fucking gladiator school? Because I've heard stories about was, getting your rating. It was like, it was tough. Remarkably similar to what it is now, but they had a different scoring system. But yeah, it was, it, it wasn't easy. But it, right. it uh, I think there were periods uh, after that that it was even worse, and like okay. people would go and no one would pass. No know, one was right. Very few. I heard it got really tight for some years, yeah. so I went in terrified. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was one of the toughest things I've ever done. It's intense. It's yeah. intense. And I remember deploying the instructor and tracking away, knowing I had fucking kicked ass, and was like, hell yes, I did it. It felt like graduating college. Oh, oh. You know what I mean? It felt, no, it, was monu- college, so well, it was <laughs> monumental. It was monumental. Yeah, it was yeah. something you worked really hard for and oh, intensely yeah. for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I hope people still respect it. AFFI is mad respect, man. You're lifesavers. Back You're then, there was AFF Jumpmaster and AFFI. There were two cat. There were two categories. What is that? What, what were the difference? Uh, the only difference was the uh, instructor. You couldn't teach a first jump course without being supervised by an I. So if you had one on a DZ, then you were okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. Otherwise, you you could do. You know, the rating was was. You know, you weren't limited really, except for that. I think I was an instructor. I had that. I think when I got mine, the DZO had to be on because he was the instructor and I was the whatever. Like you just said, yeah. Yeah, because Jack was like, you can't teach the course unless I'm here. And I was like, oh, I got my rating. He's like, nah, your rating doesn't cover unless I'm here. Well, that may be just a, a, to kind of ease you into it. Uh, yeah. Until uh, you, you feel more until they feel more comfortable with you. Uh, Taking it. Because I think in 92 is when they, they came up. Early 90s, they came up with the uh, just the one rating. Okay. So maybe he was just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, um. Back to Tai Chi. You've been jumping for six years at that point. Five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And then was it somebody you met at the drop zone? Because hold on, five years in, you probably had 700 skydives. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had, uh, I think, more than that. I bet. Um, but um, a friend of mine, my roommate, actually, I was renting a condo. Uh, at the time, I went out to California. I, uh, I uh, had a, a, my friend... Gail Sims was a chief instructor at Paris at the time under Dan Bosch. I got my tandem ready in 86, and we weren't doing any tandems in Houston to speak of. You know Tony Loper? No, maybe, maybe. He owned a tandem rig. He lived north of town. Okay. And if you want, if somebody came there and wanted to make a tandem, you have to call Tony, <laughs> ask him to bring his rig out there. <laughs> so, I mean, you can imagine how many we made. Yeah, right, right. I, I, can you imagine now it's the staple of oh. the entire fucking industry tony that's right tony you're sleeping tony <laughs> <laughs> the life blow drops on yeah 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 at any rate uh, gail i'd met in the aff certification course she'd come from california to to uh to get a rating and uh at any rate i i, I knew she worked at paris and I, I called her up and said uh, hey could y'all use an instructor and uh so yeah sure come on out and uh Oh, it took me a while to work myself into full rotation. Of course. And uh, then a couple of years later, uh, one of my students was uh, a foreman at the uh, Unical Refinery in Wilmington. And I put him through the AFF program, and, and uh, they, had, they were hiring. And he asked me, he knew about my background as a fitter. Right. Asked me if I wanted a job. 
So I overnight became a part-time scouting instructor and a full-time refinery worker. Oh, wow. Same day. Well, quickly. So, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> there was a hiring process. But, and, and that's the guy that taught you Tai Chi? No, no, no. I had a roommate in, in Wilmington. Uh, that uh, He was a skydiver. And he's also uh, uh, like a third-degree black belt in, in uh, Taekwondo. Okay. He hurt his knee skiing. And he was, told me he was going to seek out a Tai Chi school class to, to rehabilitate his leg. And I'd hurt my knee on a jump a couple of years earlier. And I thought, well, hell, I'll go with you. Right. And uh, I just. Uh, it started it. Yeah, we found he's the third generation master whose grandfather was one of the first to bring it out of China. And uh, he ended up in L.A. back in the early 70s. And he had a, a school there with a wealth of senior students. And he could easily incorporate a new student. Uh, and you could just start and. and uh, You'd have the, the senior students work with you while the other uh, students, the more advanced students, were doing the form. And, and gradually, uh, you just you learn the form, and then you progress, and you, yeah. yeah. What was the master's name? What do you call it? Master's uh, teachers? Well, it, master usually. Uh, Dong, yi, Dong Kaiing. Dong Kaiing. Yeah, Dong is T-U-N-G. Okay. And K-A-I and Y-I-N-G. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a limited experience with Tai Chi. I would explain it as slowly, tedious, painful, moving yoga. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, right? Because it's yeah. hard. It is. and It's and, uh, slow and it's hard to stand and keep your balance and do the right thing and then move the next, whatever it's called, is really tough. My arms are tired. My legs are tired. Is that about right? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's deceptively uh, taxing. Uh, it doesn't look as hard as it is, right? But when you try it, you realize that. Uh, but it's great for you. It's good for you're you're easing into the postures. You're not stressing your 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 joints. You're relaxing into position. Uh, so you're not uh, like Taekwondo or something is pretty aggressive, and you're you're you know, you're kicking hard and all that. This is uh, you you gain a lot of strength doing Tai Chi practice, but you don't really threaten the stability of your joints. Uh, it's it's easier for you. But it's great. You learn economy of movement. You don't waste energy. You uh, you learn how to get the, the weight out of your shoulders and down in your your you know, tan tan in your center of your body where it belongs. And uh, yeah, it's uh, especially I, I don't if it hadn't been if it weren't for Tai Chi, I don't think I'd still be jumping. Okay, uh, it really helped me a lot. I, I, my knee, uh, 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 I strengthened it and and uh, was you know I I'd, I'd done conventional therapy and. Got to where I could do the whole stack with my my uh, squad sets, but I was stiff, you know. And the Tai Chi, I was able to to get the strength and to relax and had more flexibility. Right on. And uh, and what what did what did you call your abdominal area? The tan don tan tian tan tian. tian. Yeah. So you believe in chakras? I don't know anything about that. So what what does the tan tian mean? It just uh, the center of your body where where the the your center of gravity should be. Okay, very yeah. good. Most Westerners are like this, you know. Whether Tantian is up top, or, no, no, it's uh, well they they're 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 carrying their too much using too much energy carrying uh, uh, too much in, in their their shoulder upper body. Okay, so I need to relax and, and get your energy back where it belongs, which is in your hips. Well, in your lower abdomen. Lower abdomen. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, practice Tai Chi. <laughs> <laughs> no, gradually yeah. you you when you practice if you do it right, too, especially with a good good instructor. You tend to gravitate toward the, the more natural and, and economic way of moving. Okay. It can take years to, to learn to relax your shoulders, for instance. You think you are, but 
uh, it's like looking at something that it looks a picture looks really clear to you, and somebody removes the veil. You realize, whoa, I can see it now. And then they take another veil away. Mm. You don't realize you're not there, but you just keep progressing right. and getting closer to to you know what's where you should be. So um, I read an article. You you have a school. I, I used to teach in Austin. Okay. Uh, just a couple of beginners classes. Right on. And how was that? It was good. It was good. Uh, Master Dong uh, will tell you if you're a senior student and you're off by yourself and there's not a, a class to attend uh, to teach, uh, I mean, if he thinks you're, you're, uh, you're ready for it. Because that way you're focusing on the, the, the detail and when you're imparting it to, to other people, you're, you're focusing more intently on the form in the way it should be done. You can tend to gravitate toward maybe get a little sloppy if you're, if you're left to your own devices. Right. And, but when you're, when you're teaching it, you tend to be focused more on, on the, the details and, 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 uh, and, and can, can, uh, yeah, can, can remember, uh, or, well, keep it fresh. Right. It's same thing in skydiving in the tunnel. Like when you start teaching it, then you're like, Oh, you should do this to your legs. You're like, Oh, I'm not doing that with my legs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got to show them correctly. Like what have I been doing? Right. It like shows yeah. you when you start teaching, it really shows you what needs to be done and how to portray it. And then you've got to do it. Because you got to lead by example, and if you're not doing it, sure. then how do you expect them to do it? So it helps you, yeah, in two ways. You're, first, it keeps it fresh in your de- the detail, and also you're having to practice a lot on your own to maintain that uh, you know uh, your ability to to uh, to teach it correctly. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So, do you, how often do you practice Tai Chi? Is it daily or is it? I try to do something every day, but I, I used to be um, I used to do it every day, but uh, for years. But I, I've kind of I still uh, focus on it quite a bit, and I don't always get to, to, to practice. But actually, when just just moving around and doing things, uh, you're incorporating the principles of it anyway. Okay, so once Daily, you get to it becomes point, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it becomes part of you. Yeah. Wow, man. So that's, but it really helps. Uh, I help me relax my shoulders, and it help it strengthen my help me strengthen my legs and get flex maintain the flexibility. And that's the kind of thing that, that uh, tends to, to uh, uh, you, you sort of lose when you get older. So it's, it's important to, to, uh, to do something. Right, and stay like flexible. That. Yeah, because my legs are still strong. I mean, my, my right knee is pretty arthritic, but it works. Right on. <laughs> I wear a knee brace, but <laughs> right. uh, it's still serviceable. And you're still doing tandems. I enjoy it. You love it, don't you? Yeah, uh, and it's, it's I something. I miss it, man. Did you do tandems too? I got twenty two hundred, not many. Oh, you that's know, that's quite a few. Well, over a couple of years, hmm. I miss it. I miss it. Um, when I started the tunnel six years ago, I was doing, you know, throwing drugs on the weekend at San Marcos mm-hmm. and Skydive Lexington or whoever paid me. Temple Mark Marks hired me a couple of times, yeah. and working at the tunnel, man, it was beat me up. It was beat me up. I had to choose. And I chose, I had to go with the tunnel, man. Because I've been doing skydiving, you know, I've been skydiving for a while. I mm-hmm. came here to the company and I was going to fi- I was going to try this new thing, you know. And I just miss it. I do miss it. But you're good at the, you're you're as good as you can get it in the in, in the tunnel. Though, so. uh, I, you can always get better. I'm sloppy. Oh, there you go. I'm real <laughs> sloppy. You boys are sloppy. Modest, nah, not really, man. My friends, dude. The people that are around me. At the, so the Austin Tunnel has a lot of talent. A lot of high, high level talent. Oh. So when you're around that, you're like, oh, I suck. You know what I mean? When you're around, like, beasts, it's crazy. It's hard to be like, you know, I'm good, because you're not. 
You know, you got to realize that there's a badass coming around the corner. You're not, you're not Billy Badass. William's coming in, uh, in a second. He's gonna show you who Billy is. You know, and uh, we have Drew Still, Dusty Shaw, Danny Credito. I remember crazy. Dusty. Yeah, I, he. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had a friend come from China and a little little kid, at this high. Uh, he he worked with him in the in, in the tunnel. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. How much tunnel time do you have, Dougie? Like three minutes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get ten minutes uh, with the show, so whenever you have time, well, yeah, I, I fly Austin. Shout out to Tanya Soto. Excellent, you get, yeah, excellent. yeah, I, yeah, I just uh, 